Can you imagine? Sorry, I just got to get this fixed now. Sorry, Paul. Can you imagine as the ladies entered the tomb where the stone was rolled away and they're shocked to see that the grave was empty? Can you imagine Lazarus laying in the grave for four days and they didn't have embalming food, a little gross thought there. And as the text said, it would have smelled by then. You might feel like your heart, your soul, (laughs) your being is just so dead. But today we want to talk about the resurrection power. And the same power that rose Jesus from the dead can touch your heart, transform you even more to be like Jesus. We're going to take a journey today from Good Friday to Resurrection Sunday. And like I often do, there's so much involved in this that if we don't understand that, yes, it is about Good Friday, it is about the death, and we're going to look at atonement and what that means. But if your Christianity is stuck there and you've never moved into this glorious resurrection power, oh, A.B. Simpson, the founder of the Alliance, and I can remember this in theology class because we actually talked about it way back, and we read one of A.B. Simpson's lines in one of his hymns, and his line says, it once was a half salvation. And for years, especially at that time, I was going, there's no such thing as a half salvation. But over the years, I've come to understand that, yeah, understanding the atonement, understanding the cross, understanding what Jesus did there for you and me is half the story. We are reconciled when we repent and believe. We are changed. We are new creations. And that takes us to the second half of the story. There is resurrection power. There is transformation. There is relationship. And if you're stuck way over there, and that's a good place to be, I'm saying, you have eternal security, you have fire insurance, but let me encourage you today, there's more to the gospel than the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go to your word today, we need understanding from the inner parts of our being. Many of us have thoughts and ideas in our head that are blocking resurrection power in our lives. And my prayer today, God, is that maybe people won't get to the point where they're experiencing that, but they'll know that there's hope and they'll know there's steps and they'll know that you have more of Jesus for us to experience. Oh, Father, we need to come out of the darkness. We need to come into the light. So come and just be with the words that are proclaimed and preached. And let us understand, in Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen. Now, I think the most exciting thing I could start with is these three roses here. They represent three lives that prayed to receive Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand.
Now, two of them were a staff member and another one, or a staff member, a staff member. We don't hire Christians here. We hope they pray to receive a staff member's child, two of them. And uh, the other one was in Sunday school. So praise God that he is still moving and working. It's just awesome. So this week I was having a bad day. Well, it was a bad week that ended in a bad day. And uh, Thursday, and I can't remember, I think first service I said it was a morning, but it could have been early afternoon. I was in my office and the week had just gone to the point of, A, it's a, and if you don't know, you, you probably go, uh, oh, Friday, we get a day off. And, and what Good Friday does is it adds more to my week and I get a shorter week to fit it all in. So there was that going on, but also had heard a few news items from staff of, of different people that were upset about this and that, and it doesn't matter what that was, or, but, but it weighs on your heart, and I, I remember sitting in my office going, I can't get my work done, there's too much to do, and I'm just overwhelmed by all the responsibility, and, and generally I don't get that way, but I want to, before I tell you what I did, that was so helpful, I don't normally do this, usually I'm a man, I usually try to grin and bear it. I'm tough, I'll get through this, I'll figure it out. I mean, I got chest pain, but maybe I'm having a heart attack. Well, maybe not though. I mean, that's the game we play, right? But I'm sitting in my office, chest pain is on my chest, and I'm going, okay, wait a minute. I keep talking about the atonement. I keep talking about the resurrection power. It's about time I live it. So I remember asking God in my desk, what do I need to do? And God goes, you know right well what to do. I said, okay. And he goes, no. He said, go into the auditorium. It's going to be perfect. So I, I come in here and I sit up out over there in the back. It was dark in here. They were just setting the scene up with the light in the background. That's all that was on. Everything else was dark. And uh, the guys were kind of milling around, fixing things for Good Friday. And so I'm sitting there with that imagery of the empty tomb. And I began to, I, I know Philippians 4, be anxious about nothing but by prayer and supplication, offer your requests to God. So I offered all my requests, all my stress, item by item, name by name, person by person, to the Lord. And by the time I got that peace of God, the past all understanding, it started to feel in the chest pain started to leave. And uh, I said, okay, Lord, am I done? He goes, no, you know you need to bless people now in your prayers. Anybody you're frustrated, any situation you're upset at, you need to just pray my presence into that, my, my blessing. So I did that, I prayed for things, and I was like, am I done yet, Lord? And, and I get this sense from God, he goes, okay, now, part of your problem is, Anthony, you've got your eyes on yourself, and this is, this is a problem I've had going back to when I was 18 years old. And the Lord has to keep reminding me, oh, woe is me, I'm such a lowly worm, my life is so hard. And the Lord says, what I want you to do now is I need you to go out and visit a couple of people and just pray with them and bless them. And I had work to do. And the Lord was clear, now that work is nothing compared to this work. So I did go out. I was able to see one person just for a few minutes. Didn't get to pray with them because they were busy. And uh, we set up a time maybe later this week that we'll visit together. And the other person I tried to connect with wasn't home, but I set up a time yesterday where I would go see them and I prayed with them. You see, I got my eyes off myself and, and I wasn't just wallowing in the grave anymore. I, I was starting to operate in relationship with Jesus in the power of the resurrection. I was letting God speak to me and I was obedient to what he said. 
And friends, this changes everything. And if maybe you're running a big company and you got lots of stress or your family's going through some stress or maybe the world's just going really nice for you right now, can I ask you to go to Jesus about it? I mean, if everything's going really well, just thank him, praise him. And ask him, how can I bless somebody else with what I'm being blessed with? Because it's not all about us. And we're going to see that in a moment. The power that the cross was, what, what got Jesus to that point, the, the, the kind of not taking his rights, not saying I deserve or I am the son of God and huffing and puffing around, but instead humbly, obediently going to the cross and dying. And then on the third day, rising again. This is incredible stuff. And so as we start, I want to start off talking about the death of Jesus, because we have to get through that to get to the beautiful power. But the theologians, and even in the scripture, there'll be a few verses that I read. Uh, there's that word that I've already said, the word atonement. Atonement isn't a word we use all the time, is it anymore? Oh, especially in our society. We never, ever want to be saying a negative word about anybody or anything, and we shouldn't, um, don't get me wrong, but we never want to call ourselves or anybody else out for their sin. I, I've been watching on Facebook, Mark Gunger, the Lafayette of Better Marriage, he's been getting himself so much in trouble in, uh, on Facebook because he keeps calling out, like he really spoke out this week against people that have affairs. I mean, he was just downright harsh and nasty. We're not doing, we're not like that anymore. We're just like, you know, let's just all be nice and fuzzy and warm and let's just love each other. We need to. Love is what's going to win the day. But honestly, we need to get to the point where we realize that we have some stuff that needs to be dealt with. So the theological word atonement, atonement literally means uh, taking the punishment, taking the, the, that which is like the, the guilt or the penalty or the, the cost and, and paying it so that the person that is under that sin or under that curse can be free. And we need to understand that's honestly what Jesus did. Atonement literally means payment. Now understand this, when, when we walk in sin, when we are in rebellion, and since Adam and Eve, everybody is, the, the Bible is very clear, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The Bible is very clear that Adam started it and we keep it going. And I will tell you, the biggest thing that will keep you from the power of the resurrection of Jesus is your pride. Your pride, and, and honestly, what, what is pride about? Pride is about self-preservation. Pride is about getting somewhere where I'm definitely not. I, I mean, we all have the effects of sin in our lives, and we want to feel like something good is going on. So we, we build bigger barns, we buy more toys, and the one with the most toys dies, wins. I mean, we, we scramble, we fight, or, or if you've been raised in a really tough, abusive home, you will build walls around yourself to protect yourself. You, you will, you will bury, barricade yourself in literally, in the darkness. And you'll never get to the point of the resurrection power of Jesus. And I want to tell you that there is more. I, I mean, what Jesus did on the cross was just unbelievable. 
and our sin has consequences that ripple into our lives. Life in sin is life with payments coming due. Trying to get joy or peace in drugs or alcohol or sex or, or even in vengeance or even in whatever you might think. It robs us of quality of life. Life in sin, ultimately we know from the Bible, is death. Life in sin, life in rebellion, life in pride ultimately comes to the point of death. Sin always demands a payment. The Bible depicts all human beings as needing to atone or pay for the sins, but lacking all power, we lack all power, and resources for doing so. We have offended our holy, perfect, awesome creator whose nature, God's nature, must hate sin and punishment. And you're going, well, that doesn't sound like a very loving God. Oh, but wait. There's more to the story. I was reading a little bit of an article, and not that I'm very scientific, but science is interesting to me. And the, the article was talking about dark matter or antimatter. And uh, I always thought that was just science fiction, Star Wars kind of stuff, but apparently there is antimatter, there's matter and antimatter. And as I'm reading this article, the article basically saying, you know, they were able to take some antimatter and freeze it in time with some technique. And what they found shocked them, and I'm going, oh really, it shocked them. You know, like the more science kind of digs down to the smaller and smaller particles, they, they are mystified. Why is this stuff all holding together? Why isn't it flying apart like an atomic bomb? I'll tell you why, because our God, who is holy and righteous and perfect, he literally, in his organizational abilities and perfection, holds this world together, then enters man. And we're our own little random beings doing our own little random... I mean, the earth, you, you read about, and I'm not trying to say that I'm environmentalist, although I do believe we should take care of the earth, but the earth, millions of years old, they tell us. Even if it's, uh, as the scripture more declares, it's not that old, but it's thousands of years old, and it's incredible how, how the, I mean, it's just incredible how the oceans have vapor that goes up into the land and it rains down and flows out in rivers back to the ocean and, and life, it, I mean, the earth is literally breathing and cleaning and pure. It just is fascinating. And then you enter man into it all. We exploit, we distort. It's all about us. It's all about our pride. It's all about our pleasure. And we're starting to see, especially as there's lots of us now, how some of the imbalance, oh, and I'm sounding like an environmentalist. David Suzuki, here I come. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, come on, laugh a little harder than that. But you see, this is who God is. And he hates sin because it is a disruptor, a destroyer. And honestly, we have to pay the penalty for our rebellion and sin. Romans 1.18, I love how it describes it. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. I mean, literally, <laughs> we don't realize how bad things are. 
We get so caught up in our own minds that this is normal. That we, th- I mean, we're, we're completely filthy and dirty. We're so filthy and dirty we can hardly breathe. But everybody's filthy and dirty, so we call this normal. We don't realize the light, the freedom, the joy, the, the peace in the soul that we can have. Romans chapter two, verse five, just a chapter later, describes it this way. But because of your stubbornness, there's that pride, and your unrepentant heart, oh, does it take a lot to say you're sorry, that you're guilty? You are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment, his perfectness will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they've done. God will repay each person. In other words, you go, I deserve my due. Good luck with that. I can tell you what I deserve is wrath. That's what I brought upon myself. There will be no acceptance or fellowship with such a God and nothing can be expected unless atonement is made. This makes it foolish for us to seek to establish our own righteousness. God is perfect and purity repels sin. But against this backdrop of human hopelessness, and here comes the love. Scripture sets forth the love, grace, mercy, pity, kindness, and compassion of God, the offended creator in himself providing the atonement that our sin has made necessary. There's the love of God. God has a plan. You have a holy God who holds everything together perfectly. In the creation we have man who is doing his own thing, and in rebellion we literally threaten the fabric of our world. But listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For what I received, I passed on also to you. Of first importance, listen to this, that Christ died for our sins. There's the atonement. He's paying for it. According to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 16 goes on to describe it. So from now on, we, are regard, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Oh, and I love this, listen to this. Therefore, here comes that transformation, that change, that beautiful gift. If anyone is in Christ, in humility, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who, listen to this, reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself. This is the love of God, the holy God, the righteous God who demands payment for our sin. He has reconciled to himself in Christ, not counting men's sin against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. And listen, oh, you gotta hear this really closely. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him, and how do you do it? God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that's Jesus. 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You cannot make yourself holy. You cannot make yourself feel better. But Jesus, in his atonement on the cross, took the penalty of punishment that we deserve. The scriptures say he was holy, he was perfect. He could actually spare some. And all the iniquity, the scriptures say, were laid upon him. Can you imagine? Not just of my sins, but the whole world. Everybody who would believe. God wants to transform you. The consequences of our muddy nature has us barely breathing. We are so used to being in the mud, we don't see that we need a bath. We don't see the need for transformation. Now I'm gonna do a little confession here. I was a camp counselor, that's not the confession. One of my number one goals of my cabin when I was 18 year old, years old at Camp Sagatow is I wanted everybody in my cabin to pray to receive Jesus. I wanted them to be reconciled to God. I wanted them to experience the atonement of the cross. But there was a second plan or goal I had. It wasn't even that they would have fun. I mean, I tried. My second goal was on Saturday, the parents would come to pick up the children. So my second goal was, I didn't care through the rest of the week, by the way, but my second goal was Saturday morning, I would tell all my guys to have a shower and put on some clean clothes. I'm not kidding you, most of them stayed in the same clothes. They slept in them, played in them, rolled in the mud in them. The same clothes from Monday till Saturday morning is what they would wear. Do you think any of them even noticed how dirty their clothes were? I could notice, I got a nose. It was disgusting, but I didn't care, I was 18. And I didn't wanna force them to do anything except for come to Jesus. I'd almost put them up against the wall because I believed it that much. Good Friday is the opportunity to atone for our sins. It's the opportunity to get cleansed. It's the opportunity where Jesus will take the punishment that you deserve, and it's a chance to become changed. So that's Friday. Let's get now onto talking about Sunday. So what does the resurrection of Jesus mean to us? What is the power that the scriptures talk about? What is the resurrection power? Philippians chapter three, verse seven, listen to this. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, all the empire I built, all the things I bought, all the bank accounts I have, all the degrees and titles I've done, all the accomplishments that are mine, I consider them loss for the sake of Christ. Why? What is more, I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them, and we never like our kids to talk about this, but listen, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. How could anybody talk like this? It's because there is something so powerful about the atonement and the resurrection power. There is nothing in this world that can compare with it. And if you still think this world is all you've got, if you still think, I just need a bigger bank account, a bigger barns, you're not experiencing the resurrection power. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, doing all the good stuff, 
but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. What that passage is saying is so simple. Jesus had the, <laughs> he was God himself. In fact, if you read the scriptures, it said that creation was done through Jesus Christ. His pre-incarnate state, his pre-being a man state. Worlds were created. The sun and moon were created. This is God himself, Jesus Christ, who became a man here on earth. And he put aside all that glory, all that perfectness, and he hung on a cross for you and for me so that he could take the punishment over. This is love, that a man laid down his life, not just for his friends, but those who were once enemies. Becoming like him in his death is a wholesale change in your heart. Jesus' death was the biggest sacrifice anyone could give. It was Jesus laying down his rights for the rights of others. Sunday then is about the flip side to selfish sin. That, that resurrection power, Sunday is the proof that what Jesus came to do happened. And it is a consequence, that resurrection power, it is a consequence of humility, putting pride aside, saying others are more important. It is the consequence, a good consequence, of a godly, others-focused life. We need to understand that pride or sin leads to fall. Selflessness leads to power. It goes against everything the world says. I need to be as greedy and nasty and climby and putting other, I need to get to the top so I can have power. No, this is the opposite. You, you humble yourself, you, you, you say others are more important, and then God raises you up, literally from the dead. It is actually contrary to us kicking and screaming and protecting our turf. There is power in Jesus and his resurrection, amen? Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 puts it this way. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. You'd understand in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Listen to this. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and even and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Friends, humbling ourselves, and accepting Jesus' atonement, the death on the cross, propels us to Jesus' resurrection and that power. We become changed, we become made new. It is glorious. I love hearing people's salvation stories. My life group leader, and you can ask around and figure out who it is, but I'm not gonna embarrass him. He's one of the gracious, kindest men I've ever met. Now, the thing is, I've known him for a lot of years, so I've started to hear the stories of what he was like before he came to Jesus. And I wanna tell you, I don't even recognize the guy. He is not who he was. 
You see, he not only received the atonement, the forgiveness of sins, fire insurance, he's going to have eternity in heaven, but he's experienced the resurrection power. He's humbled himself. He's asking, he's in relationship with Jesus. The elders and I read this passage on Tuesday mornings. We meet for prayer. We read some scripture. This passage we read the other day, I want to read it to you. It's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. But listen to the next verse. They actually were religious. They maybe even... Well, thinking through it, they maybe even understood the atonement. But listen to this. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And it gets really serious here. He says, have nothing to do with them. In high school, I really began to understand who Christ was, and I really began to understand who I was in Christ. It was glorious. It was wonderful. Now, I told you, I came to Christ at eight years old, I started going to church in grade 10, and oh my, was it a learning curve. I, I can remember light bulbs and fireworks going off so much as I started understanding not just his atonement, but also the power of the resurrection and, and how God wanted to change me and transform me and, and give me hope and give me something solid. And it was going so well. I mean, by grade 12, I was president of the youth group. I was teaching grade one Sunday school class every Sunday morning. I mean, I was on a good trajectory. I was working 20 hours a week at Sears. It was going well. I was full-time in high school. I was accomplishing from the outside the perfect dream, right? But honestly, the problem was is I did understand the atonement and I had to start to experience the resurrection power, but I started to kind of do everything in my own power. I started thinking that I could have a form of godliness but deny its power. I remember the day so well like it was yesterday. All week long, a friend had been inviting me to come to a party. I was so exhausted from full-time school and working at Sears. I was so exhausted from not spending time with Jesus, letting him work in my soul. And I'm sure I had chest pain, don't remember, but I went to the party. You think I would have learned, I, I, I drank a lot of alcohol and I had never actually done hardly any alcohol at that point. And I did some soft drugs. And this is the president of the youth group. I'm, I'm ashamed, embarrassed. But you might go, well, I hope you woke up the next morning and realized what you did. Nope, took me three months. I remember it got so bad when I'd look in the mirror, I couldn't even look at my own face. I couldn't look at my own eyes. As I started to analyze my life, I realized there was a hole like I'd never experienced. I mean, it was bad. And I, I, examining my life, I think I was down to one friend, and here's the weird, I was a teenage boy, I was attracted to girls, and even the girls didn't like me anymore. That's how, ugh, I, I began to realize without Jesus, I didn't like me so much. And I've told you the story before. I had gone to a party and might have done a few things that I shouldn't have done, and I was driving home, and I just said, okay, I've had enough. And I pulled into that field, and whatever state I mentally was in because of whatever I'd been doing, I said, I'm back, Jesus. I'm back. I need your resurrection power. 
I need you in your life, you in my life. You don't need me per se, but I need you desperately. And I will tell you that I've never looked back for the most part since then. I'm not saying I've walked perfectly. Like I said, I don't always come into the auditorium and pray and give my stuff to, I try to grin and bear it, hang onto the chest pain. I'm okay, I'm a man, I'm a good leader. Driving to church this morning. Three songs on Reach FM started talking about the grace of Jesus. And I thought, oh, that's so perfect to kind of get me. And Reach always seems to do that. There might be times I listen to it, and hey, I'm not, not in the mood. But every Sunday morning, I don't, know, I don't know if they know my vibe or what I need or something. It just really ministered to me. But in the midst of all this new contemporary music, up pops an old song. And I'm like, and if you need to know, I, I'm the guy, I'm the early adopter. I, I've got an a Apple Watch 5, and there's already a, or a 4. I don't even know what I have anymore, but I'm already two generations. And it's making me vibrate. It's like, I need the new one. But I promised myself when I got this one, it I didn't even look in. It still behaves exactly like the old one. I was like, I'm not going to fall for it. I'm not going to fall for it. So, but I'm the early adopter. I like new stuff. So all of a sudden, this old song pops into my head, and I'm like, yeah, get out of there, get out of there. And I thought, okay, maybe God's doing this. I better listen. The song is, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And I'm going, oh, wow. Oh, wow. Let me read the words. I, I had to look them up when I got here, and I put them in the sermon. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. This, this, when, when we're talking about prayer, we're talking about relationship. We're talking about resurrection power. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble everywhere? We should never be discouraged Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful? Who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. So I have conclusion. Let me ask, are you born again this morning? Have you received the atonement, the forgiveness of sins? Can you swallow your pride long enough to just say, I'm in need of a savior? John chapter three, now this is the familiar verses, which all the rest you may not have ever even read for a long time, but John chapter three, if you get Nicodemus, he's a religious zealot guy. I mean, he's in the leadership of all the Jewish faith stuff. And he's intrigued by Jesus, he's been listening to him, and he's starting to see there's something there you know, he, he's realized that, you know, I, I, you know, this is a guy who would have taken lambs and, and, you know, if you wanted your sins forgiven, you'd buy the spotless lamb. You would take it to this priest and he would kill the lamb and he'd sprinkle the blood on the altar so that your sins could be covered. But next year you had to come do it again. And Jesus started talking in this kind of language that, you know, he was the sacrificial lamb. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, He's really intrigued. He goes, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus answers in verse 3. Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And then Nicodemus, of course, says, what, i got to go back in my mother's womb? And he goes, no, no, you, you were born of, of water, you know, when you were born of your mother. 
And now you need to be born of the Spirit. And John 3.16, he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. If you're not a follower of Jesus yet, can I just ask you to pray? Just ask Jesus into your heart. Swallow your pride. Your words don't have to be perfect. You just have to say, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I believe in you, Jesus. And if that's too complicated for you, whoever you came with or you're sitting near, or you can come to the altar later, we'd love to, I'd love to be able to help you through that so you'd come to Christ. Secondly, conclusion, do you experience the resurrection power? As a follower of Jesus, as one who's received the atonement, do you experience the resurrection power? I can tell you a good place to start is taking one of our courses, Hearing God, or make an appointment arising above. Get some of those lies in your head out. Uh, honestly, if you're not in victory, if you're not experiencing resurrection power, then maybe you need some help. You need some good godly counsel. Uh, we have soul care coming up, I think, in, I was trying to do the math, in 19 days or something. And uh, if you go to our uh, church app, um, you can go in there and sign up for soul care. I think it's going Thursday night, all day Friday and Saturday. And so, yeah, you have to take one day off, but you will not regret it. It's like a intense soul. I mean, you go to the doctor if you're not feeling well, and they do blood tests and x-rays and ultrasounds and who knows what else. Well, this is kind of like that for your soul. And we will be having another hearing God in the fall. We will be having another uh, set free. Those are excellent tools. And, and as I said, make an appointment with Rising Above. Do whatever you can. If you're kind of stuck and you're going, okay, I, I, I have a form of godliness, but I'm denying his power, and I don't like the place I'm at. I don't like looking in the mirror. I, I don't have many friends left. We have an alignment series starting next weekend, just four weeks. We've got a workbook to go along with it. You can get involved in a life group again. There's a table outside. Pastor West was there first service. I'm not sure who will be second. But just sign up for a life group. You can even, if you can't do a life group, get the material. It's got devotionals for each day. Uh, we'll preach it on Sunday. There's a little bit of a teaching video for life groups. You'd enjoy that. You can spare just four weeks. Join a life group. You won't regret it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. There may be somebody here who has not yet said with their will, with their words, I need Jesus. And maybe there's some thoughts and ideas in their head where they think if I just had that extra big barn or that new car or that better job or that great wife or husband or if I just could move to Kelowna where it's warm, if I just had, then I could be happy. Oh God, forgive us. Let us experience you so much, Jesus, that we will consider all that stuff but loss. And we would give up everything for Jesus. Oh, God, help us to understand that and experience that. You are such a good and a loving God. So if somebody here isn't a Christian yet, let them come to Jesus today. Whether it's here now with their friends at the altar or even at home in the quiet, may they pray and receive Jesus. But God, there's probably some Christians here that feel a little bit stuck. And maybe they've experienced the pinnacle of success and they realize there's a little bit of fluff there. There's nothing there. Their soul still needs to be transformed and changed. Oh God, thank you. 
that Jesus humbled himself so that I could have life. And may I humble myself under the authority of Jesus so that I could have resurrection power, so I could have a relationship with you, God, so that you could help me when I have a bad week. I can't imagine, I wouldn't survive right now if it wasn't for you, Jesus. And this reconciliation, this story, this power, it's for everybody if we'll just humble ourselves and pray. In Jesus Christ's name I pray, amen.